tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. Thank you for being here today. My name is Mike, one of the pastors here, and I'm glad you chose to enjoy this moment together. And now looking into God's word, the Bible, to learn of his will and his way in our lives and Oh my, do we need that, right? Because it seems that everywhere we turn, there's more to be anxious about. The Omicron variant, the tightening of government control, the instability of the economy, the divisions and judgments of people over masks and vaccines and their choice in it all. And then there's the emotional weight of all the tension and stress and fear and prolonged anxiety. And now... People are even getting anxious because they're not feeling the intensity and the anxiety that's being thrust on them. They're being anxious about being anxious. But even in all this, there is hope. Amen? James 1.5 says, uh, God gives us wisdom if we seek it. Not human wisdom, but almighty God's wisdom the wisdom of all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God, there is hope. There is hope. We follow an amazing Lord that has given sight to the blind and caused a lame to walk. He's turned water into wine. He's fed 5,000 from a little boy's lunch. He has healed leprosy. He's healed sickness. He's healed disease. And he's even raised people from the dead. He can walk on water and he can cause storms to cease. There is no power in all the earth or in all existence that is greater than Jesus, the Christ. Even demons flee, for they know the power of his holy name. There is hope. Amen? Amen. So let's follow him together. Let's follow Jesus together. For yeah, it's different. Like we talked last week, But on his pathway, living life his way, we thrive. Jesus' way is living out or practicing the will of God. It's a lot like the game Simon Says. You you, you ever played that game Simon Says? Some of you will admit to it. Well, I was a youth pastor for 20 years. So stand up. We're going to play Simon Says. Come on. Some of you are going, no, I can't believe this. I came to hear from the word of God. You are, just, let's just do this. Come on, if you're able, stand to your feet. We're gonna play Simon Says. Now, how this game works is, is that when I say Simon Says, put your hands on your shoulders, you put your hands on your shoulders, right? Let's practice. Simon Says, put your hands on your shoulders. Very good. Now, if you don't do what I, what, what I say or what Simon Says, you're supposed to sit down, right? Okay, you ready for the game to start? Okay, Simon Says, put your hands on your shoulders. Simon Says, put your hands on your head. Simon Says, put your hands on your shoulders. Put your hands on your hips. Ah, I didn't say Simon says, if your hands are in your hips, sit down. Yeah, I know, I know. It's early morning. It's a, Simon says, put your hands on your shoulders. Simon says, put your hands on your hips. Simon says, put your hands on your knees. Simon says, put your hands on your hips. Simon says, put your hands on your shoulders. Put your hands on your head. Oh, see, so some of you, I got some of you. Simon didn't say that. Okay, here we go. Now, this is lightning round. We're gonna get going really fast. Now, I used to do this with hundreds of high school students and my job was to get you out your job is to stay focused and stay in the game. Are you ready? I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull this back. We're gonna, 
This is gonna, are you ready? Okay, where are we? Shoulders? Yeah, Simon says, put your hand on your shoulders. Simon said, put your hand on your head. Simon said, put your hands on your knees. Simon said, put your hands on your hips. Simon said, put your hands on your head. Now, if your hands are on your shoulders, you're out. Because I said head and yeah, I know. You guys, you guys are doing great. Hey, give yourselves a big hand. If you're clapping, you're sitting down. Because Simon didn't say. Ah, I got you on that one. Simon says, put your hands on your head, put your hands on your shoulders, put your hands on your hips. Okay, these last few are standing. Give them a big hand. Simon says, sit down. And the game is over. And you're wondering, I went to church to learn the Bible. Why am I playing Simon Says? Because it's fun. But it has something to do with what we're talking about today. You know, it's, uh, um, God has called us to do the will of God, to do what Jesus says, and, and, and to follow his will. And as we move on in our adventure through the Bible book of Mark, we're looking today at Mark chapter three, verse seven to 35. It, it brings out now four aspects of practicing the will of God as we learn what it means to follow Jesus. For following Jesus brings us to a deeper commitment to God and connects us with others. So before we do, let's pray. Simon says, stand up, let's pray. <laughs> Will you stand up and pray with me? Father God, thanks for the opportunity to look into your word. Um, yeah, we can have fun at a fun little silly game, but Lord, it helps us remind us that we need to follow your will, to do what you say. So God, this morning, I pray that you would challenge us, each one at our point of need. You would encourage us, teach us from your word. Holy Spirit, do your work in our hearts. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. You can have a seat and encourage you to take out the outline that you were given as you walked in. If you're online, it's there online. Inside there, there is a, a fold over. Do fill out that prayer card. We'd love to get prayer from you and that elder uh, nomination, but there's some blanks to fill in. The answers will be up on the screen. If you didn't happen to do that online, then just find a piece of paper and write down this. There's also our study guide, which is in the lobby area. This is also online. And the answers to the fill in the blank are all there. Plus there's some great questions that many of our life groups, our small groups that Crystal talked about go through and you can use it for personal study because our hope is, is that you would take this time in God's word and use it as a launch pad for your own personal study throughout the week, that you would look at some of those extra verses and, and consider just some of the options that there are as you study God's word and get into that. There's also a revived section of our webpage. And on there, there are some great resources or some articles and, and different uh, uh, tags to push to be able to kind of learn more as you go along. Uh, so to follow Jesus, yeah, is a little bit like the silly game of Simon Says, but it is to, with intention and concentration, discover what God wants us to do and how God wants us to live. It's to look at and follow Jesus. Mark chapter eight, which we'll get to a little bit later, but I want to bring it out now because it says, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, Jesus said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and to follow him. To follow Jesus is to lay aside self as the guiding force of life and to look to Jesus as the one who sets our agenda. And that agenda is to do the will of God. So let's look at these four aspects of practicing the will of God in Mark chapter three, verses seven to 35. And, and, and for following Jesus brings us to a deeper commitment to God and connection with other. The first aspect of practicing the will of God is to follow over favor. Hopefully you have your Bible with you and flip open to, to Mark 
chapter three, this first section is verses seven to 12. It says in, in verse seven, Jesus withdrew with his disciples. Now, the reason he withdrew, Mark tells us in the very verse above this one, which is Mark chapter three, verse six, when it says the Pharisees went out immediately to held counsel with the Herodians against how to destroy him. They were out to kill Jesus. The Pharisees had had it. Jesus had done, pulled the ultimate sin in their mind uh, to confront them and to show them up and they wanted him out of there. They wanted to destroy him. So Jesus withdrew with his disciples uh, to the sea and a, and a crowd uh, followed from Galilee to Judea and Jerusalem to Imodai and, uh, and beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many. And so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever an unclean spirit saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. Jesus uh, was popular. People came from all over, both Jews and everyone else. People were desperate. And so Jesus was cautious of the mob mentality. And Jesus was growing in popularity, much from his miracles. And so where Jesus was, there was a crowd, a crowd gathered, some curious about him and his teachings, because Jesus was different. He taught, what he taught made sense that God loved humanity and that sin holds us back and he came to set us free. And, and living life following Jesus, following God's way was key. Not the Pharisees' way, but God's way. People were growing more and more convinced and committed to that understanding. But many were there just because their needs were being met. They finally found healing. For yes, Jesus can and does meet our needs, Philippians 4.19. For my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But Jesus is not just here to meet our needs and to heal our issues. He's here to lead us into an incredible life we were created for and to connect us with God because that's key. Because the truth is we were all born, even little Riley was born separated from God. It's part of our unfortunate DNA. And we need to choose to connect to him. And so we choose. We come to that place in our life where we get it. That, but what blocks that way is sin. And Jesus came to deal with that sin when he died on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sin when he died, rose again saying he is the savior. And we come to faith in him. That's how we connect. We connect with God in that way. That's the good news. Jesus connects us to God. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And that comes to a place of faith. And many of you have made that decision. Some of you are still on the way. I encourage you to explore that. Make sure that you've had that, made that faith decision to connect you to God. Because when you are connected with God, you now have the opportunity to live the life God created you to live. You have that incredible opportunity to receive from that all of God's blessings and you for sure have your reservations set in heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Makes sense to believe in him. Jesus frees us from sin. And as John 8, 36 says, so if the son sets you free, you are free. Sin pulls us back. Jesus sets us free. 
And Jesus causes us to thrive. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came, Jesus said, that you might have life and have it abundantly. We thrive in relationship and connection with Jesus. But yes, Jesus can heal. And there is much favor and blessing learning from him. But there comes a time when we need to choose to follow him over favor. For it's more than just meeting our needs or getting what we want. But are we willing to set life Jesus's way, to, to do God's will, to not be led by any other influence, but to follow Jesus? See, even the demons knew who Jesus was and is and obeys. Now, we're not sure why Jesus silenced demons constantly, but that happens all throughout the gospels. Maybe it's because he didn't want them to give testimony to him. Maybe he wanted a person whose life had changed to give testimony. Actually, we're gonna talk about that in two weeks when we look at uh, Matthew or Mark chapter five. But see, to practice the will of God is to follow Jesus over seeking personal favor. It's a move from just adding Jesus to our life to making it, to making it better, to following Jesus' way of life, which is taking on the will of God as our will. Some have called it making Jesus the Lord of your life. I know for me, it was, a, it was a, a, a point. I'd come to faith in Jesus and I was all excited. Boy, I got saved. Yeah. I don't have to worry about my sin anymore. I'm going to heaven. And I was all excited about that. And But I was looking at faith as something I get. Ooh, I get this, I get this. I get a bunch of people like, like you guys that are all friends and I get a family. I get all this kind of stuff. And I wasn't thinking about, I actually needed to relinquish over the control of my life to the Lord, my Lord and Savior. Because before then, I kept getting myself in all kinds of trouble because I was leading my life, my agenda. But there came that moment when I was, there was a fork in the road for me, either go my way and live life my way, kind of trying to add Jesus in there or actually make him Lord. And it was a revolutionary time for me. See, following Jesus brings us to a deeper commitment to God and connection to others. The next aspect of practicing the will of God is to be interconnected over isolation. Look at Mark chapter three, verses 13 to 21. And he, Jesus, went up on the mountain. If you read Luke's account of that, he actually went up there, he prayed first, and then he chose his 12. And, and he called to him those whom he desired, that, and they came to him. He appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And he gave authority to cast out demons and he appointed the 12. Here they are. Simon, who he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, John, the son of the, the brother of James, to whom he gave uh, the name Boangers, that is the sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus and Simon the zealot, and of course, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And he went home and the crowds gathered again and so they could not even eat. And when his family heard of it, they went out and they seized him for they were saying he's out of his mind. Jesus uh, did not and does not need anyone. Yet he selected to attach himself to these 12. And these guys are a piece of work. Peter was impetuous. James and John were boisterous, venging on pridefulness, Matthew, a tax collector, and the list goes on. 
you want to read more about that, there's a link in the study guide that takes you to a great uh, study of each of the characters. I encourage you to look at that. You'll feel encouraged because if Jesus chooses them, certainly he can use us. Uh, but Jesus <clears throat> could have done all, all on his own. But he wanted to give an ex example of interconnectedness over isolation. Jesus sought community and connection, and really so should we. We should follow his example. And yes, it's frustrating. People around us are crazy. I mean, just look around. <laughs> Don't laugh too hard, especially for those you live with. But it's frustrating. People don't always do what we want or the way we want them to do it, yet there's tension. And that's the reality. And people are quirky. But Proverbs 27, 17 is really clear. Iron sharpens iron. So does one man sharpen another. And how you sharpen two knives as you draw them together, it creates friction. And that friction, that conflict produces sharpness. And we need that with each other. We need that interconnectedness and the awkwardness of it and the quirkiness of it and the conflict of it so that we're sharper. Now, Jesus is perfect. He did not or does not need sharpening, but we're not perfect. God wants to shape us by being interconnected with others. We are better together. Now, you may have looked at it last week, but you can write it down and look at it more again. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine to 12, talk about two are better than one. And it's an important reality we understand. We were designed to be connected to others. Proverbs 12, 15 puts it this way. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, isolation. But the wise listen to advice, interconnectedness. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans fail, isolation. But with many advisors, they succeed, interconnectedness. So who are the people in your tribe? who are your advisors on your team. And diverse advisors is a good thing for wise people incorporate others different from them. Now, what's interesting is Jesus's earthly family were not yet following him. They thought he had some kind of Messiah complex going on. That's a joke because he is Messiah. Okay, maybe the Simon says didn't get the blood working enough. <laughs> Thank you for that obligatory laugh. But they evidently, evidently came around. We need to be interconnected, yes, with even more than our earthly family. For following Jesus brings us into a deeper commitment to God and an interconnectedness, a connectedness to others. Another aspect of practicing the will of God is to choose acceptance over accusations. This next section is a little bit, just walk with me through this. Verse 22 to 30. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem, if you look at the wording of this, you could say, saying he is possessed with Beelzebub. It means, it, it, the wording in this is he, they're continually accusing him in this regard. The scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, you're possessed by Beelzebub, literally means the Lord of the flies and by the prince of the demons to cast out demons. And he, Jesus, called to him and said in a parable, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. 
but no one who enters a strong man's house and plunders his goods unless he first binds the strong man, then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly, I say to you, all the sins will be forgiven the children of man. And whoever blasphemes, they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin, for they were saying he has an unclean spirit. Now we can get all hung up on this unforgivable sin and even get a worry about, well, am I going to ever do that? But much of this was a condition of the moment where Jesus was personally present, performing miracles, and it was attributed to Satan. However, an unforgivable sin today is to never believe, to keep uh, rejecting the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's prompting to come to faith. But a key for us with this occurrence is these religious leaders were not accepting Jesus and the many signs that he had given that he was Messiah, but they were jealous of his power, his insights, his authority. And so seeking to persuade and manipulate the crowd, they accused the worst possible thing, that Jesus was actually manipulating all, leading them to the enemy, which just sounds totally absurd. This is a typical manipulative strategy. We've actually been bombarded with that, whether it's through the election or even through some of the COVID things that are going on. Confusing people with what is right and what is wrong. And in the confusion, people might just stop following Jesus. And maybe some did, but many were growing in their acceptance that Jesus is the Son of God, Messiah, and our Savior. You see, in following Jesus is a journey of growing in acceptance of Jesus as Savior and Lord of our life. We have a little bit of that religious leader in, bent in each one of us. We want to be our own boss. We don't like anybody telling us what to do, even sometimes Jesus. Now, Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's out of love for him, then we follow Jesus. Now, what's interesting is in this chapter of John 14, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bible, just, just you're in Mark, go over two gospels to John chapter 14. In verse 15, it says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And this is what he says in verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, but it neither sees him nor knows him, but you, you know him for he dwells with you and will be with you. When you come to faith in Jesus, when you enter into that wonderful relationship, God gives you a personal coach. It's called the Holy Spirit. And he is right there walking with you. Actually, he's speaking to you even this time. He's whispering thoughts in your mind. He's drawing things to your attention. He's pulling things up in your mind, helping you to follow him in the way that you need to go. Sometimes he convicts us of sin. Sometimes he says, "Looks at we read something in scripture and we go, wow, inside an aha moment. That's the Holy Spirit. When we have insight and then we go, okay, now I need to put this into practice. And he helps us with that. That's the Holy Spirit. Actually, if you go over to verse 26 of John 14, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things 
and bring to your remembrance all that I've said. You ever been somewhere and all of a sudden a verse goes, bam, in your mind, whoa, where'd that come from? Holy Spirit. And, and our job as believers is to listen to and accept the Holy Spirit's guidance in our life. Now, if we're never tuned into that or never seek that, it's just, you know, we hear the static in our mind. But yet when we tune in and ask God to speak to us, now, of course, sin pushes the Holy Spirit away and, and our own desire to do things our own way quenches the Holy Spirit. That's a whole other subject, but, but we're to listen to that. And much of that is through the Bible. And as we follow Jesus, we're following Jesus brings us to a deeper commitment to God and also a connection to each other. See, to practice the will of God is to follow over favor, to be interconnected over isolation, to choose acceptance over accusations, and lastly, to do God's will over everything. If you're in John, go back to Mark chapter uh, three, now starting in verse 31. We're to do God's will over everything. Verse 31, and his mother, Jesus' mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him and called to him and a crowd was sitting around him and they said, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered, who are my mothers? Who are my, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at them, he said to those seated around him, here is my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. We enter God's family through faith in Jesus as leader and as Lord. John 1.12, but to all who received him, that's Jesus, who believe in his name through faith, he gave them the right to become children of God. To believe in his name is to acknowledge him for who he is, the Christ, Messiah, <clears throat> King, Lord, Master, Boss, Savior, and all that's attached to his name and to be about practicing the will of God. That is what it means to follow Jesus, to seek him and adjust life his way. I love how Romans 12, two puts it. <clears throat> Do not be conformed to this world. This world says you are the center of your universe. Everything has to go through you. All, everything self, self, self. Do not be conformed to this world, <clears throat> but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect that testing through the practice of doing God's will. When God says it, we do it. God's will is found in renewing our minds. We are reminded of what it means to follow Jesus. And actually, I, I love if you do want to turn over there to Romans 12, verse one, it says, here's how we go about this. Here's the, the, the climate in which we go about doing the will of God. I appeal to you, therefore, Romans 12, one, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living, and, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual uh, which is your spiritual worship. And it says, do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. That, 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 that climate is, that, is this idea of, of being sacrificial, to die to ourselves. We read the verse earlier, to take up our cross and to follow Jesus, to die to ourselves and embrace his will. So what is the will of God? Well, there's a number of places all over scripture tells us that, but some specific ones. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus, that we're to have a, a thankful heart. That thankful heart is, is, a, is, is a humble heart. It realizes that it, it, it takes away uh, uh, expectation and entitlement and says, I'm gonna be thankful. I'm gonna choose to be thankful and give thanks. The actual expression of giving thanks does some incredible change in our own life. We ought to be thankful all the time. 
What else? What is it to do the will of God? 1 Peter 2.15 says, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorant and foolish people. One of the things that we should do is to do good. Not for ourselves, but the actual essence of doing good is to do good for somebody else. To look for opportunities where we can bless somebody, encourage somebody, help somebody, uh, do a favor for somebody to do good. And life is discovering and doing God's will over everything. For following Jesus brings us to a deeper commitment to God and connection to others. Now, when Jesus was saying, who are my mother and brothers? He wasn't being disrespectful to his mom and his brothers. He was making a point that we all are family. We are family. I got all my sisters with me. I'm not like uh, our singing elder uh, in that way, but but following God does bring us that, that family connection. And actually, if you look throughout history, that sibling connection is one of the strongest out there. And then we have our brothers and sisters with each other. Now, I know that life is not a game of Simon Says, but it's, it's a life lived following Jesus, doing the will of God. It's to follow over favor. It's to be interconnected over isolation. It's to choose acceptance over accusation is to do the will of God over everything. For following Jesus brings us to a deeper commitment to God and connection to others. So let's, let's follow Jesus together, brothers and sisters, practicing the will of God. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you for uh, just your word this morning and that uh, encouragement and challenge to live the word of God, to follow your will and to follow you. And Lord, I know it's so easy to to think that my will is your will. Sometimes uh, it's in line, but sometimes it is so far. Holy Spirit, guide us and direct us. Help us to tune into you and walk us through this life so that we can thrive. And that's confusing as it is. And we need your guidance. We need your help. We know that it's Jesus following you and, and, and doing that is when we do what your word tells us. Illuminate that to us. Challenge us each day that we can follow you with joy. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.